Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Journey. Man, it's great to see everybody here. Uh, everybody well, I hope, uh, because that's plaguing everyone, it seems like. But I'm glad you're here today, and uh, hopefully uh, you will stay well as well. Uh, guys, it's great to, to, to be here and to continue this series that we're in. We've been in a couple of weeks now uh, as we kind of get fully in this new year. I kind of like opening up the, the new year like this, and, and I hope you're being challenged wherever you are. Here's what I wanted to ask you this morning. How many of you here today are the oldest child in your family? Oldest child in the family, all right, okay. How many of you here are the youngest child in your family? I got more younger children. That says a lot about you guys, all right. I'm going to assume everybody else is somewhere in the middle, right? Uh, so I won't even ask you to raise your hand. Uh, so whether there were three of you or uh, in your family or more than that, you're somewhere in the middle. So you're a, what you might call a middle child. And I am one of those. I'm a middle child in my family. I have an older sister, a younger sister. And also I'm the only boy, obviously, in the family as well. So that, that adds something as well. There's a whole study on birth order. I don't know if you've ever read any of that or not and how true it is in your case. But uh, the study on birth order says that those who are older are normally more assertive and confident, and you're often a leader. Probably uh, you're the one that steps up, you know, uh, in situations to lead, and every, uh, every family needs a leader. Uh, the youngest child is often more self-involved and less inclined to take over or take risks. Why? Because somebody already steps up and does that in the family already. And there also can be a little spoiledness. I don't know, probably not you if you're the youngest, but sometimes the youngest can be a little bit spoiled as well. But the middle child, they say, is oftentimes overlooked or forgotten. That's right. <laughs> Somebody say, you know, sometimes overshadowed by the older sibling, you know, that's already been there and done everything first. And, uh, you know, and the younger child demands more attention normally there. So for those of us who are middle children, we can all just kind of moan and, you know, and commiserate with one another. But, but we're all kind of in the same boat there, all right? Now, here's why we're even talking about birth order a little bit. I hope this, this makes sense here in a few moments. We're in this series we've been in for a few weeks now called The Journey, and we're talking about the Christian life, about walking along this journey, and we're talking about different stages in our life. And we've already acknowledged that we're all at different places. We're all at different places. If you were to freeze a moment in time in, in your family, you, you know that there was the older child that had been through some things and more, more education probably. There was a younger child in the middle. There's the middle people, you know, at different stages of life and ages and different things. And, and that's kind of like that in the church as well, you know. There are people who've been at it a long time, and some are just kind of brand new, and some are somewhere in the middle there. And so we're kind of kind of visualize uh, this, this journey as being a, a place in reality. We're all in different places. And we noted last week that they're just like in age, you know, a baby and, uh, and then, you know, children and teenagers. There's also a spiritual continuum. There's a continuum of life. There's also a spiritual continuum that every growing believer follows. There's the exploring Christ, the growing in Christ, the close to Christ, and then we identified those who would be Christ-centered, and it's a healthy growing process. In fact, everyone who comes to know Jesus is somewhere in that process. And the Bible uses an interesting analogy for our Christian life. It parallels our, our own physical life. It talks about being born that we're born into Christ, and then it also talks about us being young in Christ and then maturing believers. So the parallel is, is very clear in the Bible. And so since giving our life to Christ is a new birth, when we do so, we're babies in the faith. 
And we talked last week about those who were coming into Christ, the new birth, those who were exploring Christ and giving their life to Christ. And, uh, and when you're young, like a baby, you need help and nourishment of other people to get started. In fact, you rely upon other people for almost everything in your life. And then we're children and teens in our faith, and then young adults, and then mature adults. And we call that the journey as we're moving through this process. And we talked last week about people who explored Christ and, and his claims, who discovered the truth about Jesus Christ as the Son of God. They accept him as their Lord and Savior, uh, and then they, uh, they're obedient in baptism, symbolically being born into Christ. Well, we're going to actually get a chance to see that this morning uh, and a little bit later, uh, someone being born into Christ. And they're babies in Christ. And here's what it says in 1 Peter 2. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up in your salvation. So I hope you get the picture here that, that when we first come into Christ, we, don't, we can't handle a lot of tough stuff, you know, a lot of tough meat, uh, spiritual meat. We're just kind of uh, taking milk of the word. But our process, our hope is that we're continuing to grow in our relationship and our knowledge and our maturity. And that decision to accept Christ moves us into the category of growing in Christ. We talked about that last week from exploring to growing in Christ is marked by our decision to follow him, which ironically is where the majority of people in the church are today. And that's an interesting thing in the category of growing in Christ. Now, I told you last year that we did our own little survey, and we didn't have a, uh, as many people as I'd love to, to participate, but we discovered that 44% of our church are in the growing in Christ category by their own definition. That's, you know, by, by you describe yourself, that most of us are growing in Christ. And I don't want to criticize that at all because that's great, but we're going to talk about the next step as well. Now, the, the people who are in the growing in Christ category in their spiritual life is a very important time for the church. Why? Because they, are, uh, they have a lot of energy, a lot of excitement. Uh, some, for many of them, their, their faith is somewhat new, and uh, we're, we're kind of getting into this, and we still remember what it was like before we knew Jesus and, and what he did in our hearts. And really, people who are in the growing in Christ are the workforce of the church, the volunteers, the people who are active, excited, initiating things and sharing their faith with other people. And during this time, the church kind of serves as the coach. They come in, you know, we got to have uh, some encouragement, some leading, some teaching and challenge in our life. And, and during this time is when we start developing the habits that we've been talking about. Remember the spiritual practices of reading our Bible daily and being uh, uh, and spending time in prayer. And kind of like an adolescent, you know, we're kind of getting used to this spiritual life. We're a little awkward in our faith, trying to figure some things out in our life. We may be intimidated by the journey ahead of us. A lot of times we look at what God really wants from us and we're like, I don't, I don't know if I can ever do that or be that. I've got these issues that I'm trying to figure out and change in my life. And there normally are some big changes going on in our life when we're growing in Christ. But our growth ought to be steady, although it may be slow. But now last week we talked about the fact that we don't want people to get stuck in exploring in Christ. And the reason for that is because when you just explore and you explore and you discover and you don't do anything about it, the longer you do that, the less likely you are to actually take your next step in Christ. So it's important not to get stuck there. And just like it's important not to get stuck in exploring in Christ, it's important not to get stuck in the category or the level of growing in Christ either. Now, not that it's a bad place to be at all because it's a part of our growth process. It's just not our ultimate destination. 
God has more for us. He wants us to grow up in our faith. And so it truly is a process, a time that we move into, and then hopefully we move on and continue. And today we're going to be talking about our next step. So we talked about last week the first movement in our journey. Movement one is journeying from exploring Christ to growing in Christ. Today, movement two is growing is from growing in Christ into close to Christ. And then next week, as we wrap this series up, it's going to be moving movement three from close to Christ to Christ-centered. And so today, we're going to talk about the middle child. That's why I ask you to start. We're going to talk about the middle child, and this time that a lot of us are in in our spiritual walk, but maybe we're not doing a lot of movement. Maybe we're kind of stuck in this place. It's a place that many people do get stuck, and that's probably why it's the largest group of people in the average church. And the reason for that, it's easy for us to spend a lot of time on people who don't know the Lord. One of our top priority is leading people to come to know Jesus and then bringing them into Christ. That is the great commission, uh, the number one thing, because people move from being lost to being saved. So that's important. That first movement is very important. And then on the other end, we give a lot of attention to people who are rising above the crowd, you know, who are really taking it serious, who are growing and becoming leaders. And so we do, we develop leaders, leaders in ministries, leaders and volunteers in our graded worship uh, programming, and, and leaders in our community groups, and, and leaders and deacons and elders, as people kind of say, I want to I grow more, I want to be a part of this. But the problem is that sometimes we give little attention to people who are in the middle who maybe aren't taking the steps that they ought to be taking, maybe early in their walk with Christ, but not moving into a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. And I think every church that I've ever known, probably we, we probably are weakest at that point because we're very happy that people have decided to follow Christ, but maybe we're not as committed to helping them take their next step. And so that's one thing that we really are addressing. We want to make that more, um, more uh, obvious, uh, easier for people, but be very intentional about that as well. And the reason is because there's a big danger at that point in our journey. There's always a danger at any point in the journey that someone can get discouraged, that someone can give up. You know, if you're climbing a mountain, it's easy to say, well, I've reached this, this point here. I think I'm just going to quit. That's just far enough. And in the spiritual life, sometimes we get to that place as well. And many people assume that because they've given their life to Christ, that they've kind of, you know, taken a big step and they're good at this point and they no longer have to worry. Now, I do want to say that when you give your life to Christ, you are in him, but there's always a danger of falling away. There's always a danger of of slipping back or of our faith being uh, dying early in the process. You know, Jesus told a story about a man, who, a farmer who was out sowing seeds on different types of ground. You probably are familiar with that story. And he said that some of the seed fell on good ground and produced a bumper crop. But there was also some other seed that fell on hard ground. This would be the person who might be exploring Christ, but never really accepted Christ, the hard ground. And then there was some seed that fell on ground that was full of weeds and thorns. The seeds of weeds were there as well, and the the crop sprouted, but soon it was choked out by all the cares of life and all the distractions of life. This is where the Satan wants to steal away the gospel in our life and hope, because even when we started, then it's choked out, and a lot of people fall in this way. And then there was another type of soil that was fertile, and the seed sprouted and sprung up very quickly. But because there was no depth in the root system, when the sun came out, it withered and died. And I think what we're talking about is the danger of those last two types of soil 
the, the warning to those of us who may be following Jesus, but we haven't completely committed to Christ everything. We're just kind of, we may be growing, but there's still a part of us that, that kind of looks back to our past life. There's still a part of us that allows the cares of life and the things around us to become too important in our life. Or maybe we're growing, but we don't have deep roots. You know, I've seen people who accepted Christ, and, and they grew in the area of service. I mean, they had a servant's heart, and they were doing this and doing that and working themselves. But, but sometimes you get discouraged in service when everybody else isn't on board with you and doesn't have the same kind of energy. I've seen a lot of people burn out in service because not everybody has the servant's heart or the passion they have for something. And so because they don't have roots and, and tenacity uh, that really holds them strong, they fall away. There's other areas that people get excited about, but because they don't have the strength of deep roots, then their faith uh, dies when it's very young. There's also a danger for those who are growing in Christ to become complacent and very comfortable in their life. You know, in other words, you're like, well, I just think I've settled into a pattern of coming to church and, you know, I'm reading my Bible periodically and going to group maybe, but, but we become very comfortable and we don't go any further. And then there's also the danger of people getting stuck and stop growing and falling away. Let me tell you, it's, it's one thing to make an intellectual decision to accept Christ as Lord. It's a whole other thing to make a move into a personal relationship of interaction, dependency, and intimacy. And I was thinking about this part of the journey. It's a journey of about 12 inches. Now, a journey of 12 inches doesn't sound like a very long journey, does it? You could take that in one step, right? Just one step would do it. But here's where the journey is. The journey from, from growing in Christ to being close to Christ is the distance between your brain and your heart. And that's about 12 inches, I think, something like that for most of us, you know. It's a, cha it's a challenge of growing from my intellectual decision to follow Jesus to really making a personal commitment. It's moving from an acquaintance relationship with Jesus to being close to Christ, to being a follower, disciple, who is deeply committed and sold out to Jesus. And that's where God is calling us to go in this part of the journey. Let me give you a biblical example of that. Jesus spent about the first 20 months of his ministry traveling and teaching. And during this time, basically, if you look at that, he did relatively very few miracles, but he gathered a lot of large crowds, and he made a lot of acquaintances during that time. When people were interested in him, he would challenge them. He would say, come and see. They would say, Jesus, who are you and what are you about? He would say, well, come and see. And so they would follow him and listen to him, to his teachings, and they would see what he was all about. That was the call to explore his claims. And during this time, he was laying a foundation for his future ministry. He had a large group of people who knew him and believed him, but they had competing interests. They would come and they would listen, and then they would go back to whatever they were doing before. But near the end of his second ministry, second year of ministry, Jesus began to issue a new call to people. It's in Matthew chapter 4. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, <coughs> for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets, and Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. Now, the way it sounds, as you read it in your Bible, it sounds like Jesus is walking down the beach, 
and he sees these guys out there fishing, and he says, hey, get off your boat and come follow me. And they have no idea who he is, but they just suddenly go do it. Now, that doesn't normally happen. You know, I mean, he could. He could be that, <laughs> that uh, forceful, but he, it's not how it happened like that. This didn't happen near the first of his ministry. Uh, it seems like it is because it's early in the book of Matthew. But one thing you got to know is that not everything in the Gospels is in chronological order, which can be a little bit confusing, to be honest with you. But Jesus had actually met these guys a long time before. In fact, many months before. In John chapter 1, uh, Jesus was out. John the Baptist sees him. And some of John's followers say, who is that? And John said, well, that's the Son of God. And John says, you need to go follow him. Go follow him. And so they went to Jesus. They said, where are you staying? What are you about? He said, come and see. So the first invitation was come and see to explore. Then many months later, 18 months later, after Jesus had established his ministry, Jesus gave a further call which said, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So that's the transition there. These people had already accepted Christ. They were growing in Christ. But one day, Jesus gave them a special challenge. Leave everything and follow me. And if you know what happened, these were their first disciples. By the way, they're the same men who were mentioned in John chapter 1. But they, they left their nets and their father and their, their career, and they followed Jesus for the next few months. They lived with Jesus. They traveled with him. They absorbed his teaching, and, 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 and they watched his character. So much so were they impressed that they committed their lives to continue his mission after he returned to heaven. And so that they became the, the disciples who carried on the mission of Jesus. Now that looks a little bit different to us today. We're not challenged to put on a pair of sandals and follow some Jewish teacher all over the countryside. We're not challenged to do that. We are challenged to follow Jesus by giving him our lives and grow close to him and become a disciple who in turn makes other disciples so the church not only grows but continues down through the years and the centuries. It's how the church survives as each generation carries its forward. Someone described this movement that we're talking about today as, you know, us, we always come into worship and we experience Christ. You know, this morning our worship was powerful. I mean, it really was. Don't you, don't you love the worship? But we come in and we get, you know, that experience. And then sometime we walk out the door and we hit the world. And then it's kind of a letdown and we don't know what to do with what we have. And then next week we come in and we experience it again. When we're growing in Christ, the church again, excuse me, when, yes, when we're growing in Christ, the church is our coach. But after a while we start saying, I want more. I want to take this with me. And so as we come to more closer to Christ, it's more like we take Jesus out the door with us. We don't just wait to come to church on Sunday morning to get a, a fix. It's like Jesus is a part of our lives. We're close to him. He, we take him home. He gets in the car with us, sits in the passenger seat, goes to work with us tomorrow with our families. That's just a part of life. And we become a follower of Christ. And the next week we bring him back with us and we take him back again because we incorporate him into our life and he is a part of our lives. And you're not dependent totally upon the church or other people for your connection to Christ, because you are close to Christ. So what does it look like to be close to Christ? Well, obviously, we ratchet up our faith and commitment, and the relationship becomes closer. In fact, people at this stage in their walk with Christ are very open about their faith, and they're talking about that. Nobody's going to be surprised to find out, lo and behold, they were a Christian, and I didn't know that, you know? It's going to be obvious. It's going to be a part of their life. It's, they're going to embrace that. They're going to, they're going to tell people about that. They're going to publicly identify as a child of God. Not only that, but they're very passionate 
about growing in their faith. You're not waiting for someone to drag you into uh, an environment of study or someone to force you to stir, but instead you're looking for opportunities. You're investing in your spiritual growth. You're seriously making a commitment to read the Bible daily and send solid time with God and reflection on, on the Scripture. And prayer is a running conversation with God. Whereas before, when you heard the, st- the verse that said, pray without ceasing, you know, we, well, how do we do that? But now your life is like a prayer. You're constantly connected to God. And you, you don't feel odd just throwing up a prayer out of the blue because you're just in contact and you're in communion with God pretty much all the time. You're becoming more like Christ in your character and thoughts. Why? Because you're reading the Bible and you're saying, you know that that's what Jesus was like. And you're wanting to emulate his example. You're learning patience. You're, you're learning control of your life. You're learning kindness and generosity and, and love. All those characteristics that Jesus displayed, these things are more and more a part of your life. And you're truly, as Jesus said, what did he say? We said a couple of weeks ago, number one commandment is love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. The second's like it, love who? Your neighbor. Love other people. So you love God, you love people, and you bought in so much so that now you're on his team. And you're taking responsibility for other people as well. Two traits that are becoming a part of your life. One of them is peer share. In other words, now you're starting to have conversation with other people. Because it's beginning to overflow in your life. It's not enough. You can't keep it to yourself. You're sharing your faith with other people. And the second characteristic is peer care. That means that now you're starting to think about how can I begin to invest in other believers? I'm not just wondering what's in it for me and what, what do I get. But I'm thinking how do I help other people embrace and understand and grow in their own walk. And we call that disciple making. Which is what we want people to be. To love God to love people, to be a disciple who makes disciples. And so we take seriously the last command of Jesus, the Great Commission, to share the gospel and make disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, that's the picture that God's calling us to. In fact, that's what God is calling maybe even the majority of us here, or the largest chunk of us here, to do that, to start getting serious about our faith. To stop just growing in Christ and to say our desire, I want now to become close to Christ. And I want that to, to kind of define, to describe my life. Now what will move us from the growing in Christ into that close to Christ category in, in our own description? Well, obviously it's not just concrete lines. I don't want to suggest that. But as we grow, there are some things that are catalysts. Remember last week talk, we talked about catalysts that move us in our walk. And here, there's, I want to share five catalysts, five things that you need to understand and kind of embrace to go from growing in Christ to being close to Christ. First of all is believing in a personal God. Believing in a personal God, that God is real, that God is active in your life, that he is with you every day, that he cares what you do, he cares what you say, he cares what you think, that he is a real active part of your life. And you do that not only through faith, but also through observation. And you see what God does. And things that you used to think were a coincidence and maybe you just got lucky, now you're like, okay, I see God was moving in those things. God was a part of those things. And he is real in your life, a personal God. Secondly is prayer. You know, prayer is huge in all, any part of our growth process. Prayer to seek guidance from God. Not just throwing up a crisis prayer. Remember we talked about last week the prayer of crisis, the prayer of salvation, and then also prayer to seek guidance. You're developing a true prayer life 
where you can really, it's tangible, and you can see what God is doing by answering your prayers. Thirdly, uh, and maybe we could put this first, but it's reflecting on Scripture daily. Again, remember, the number one thing you can do at any point in your life spiritually is just read the Bible. Read the Bible, <coughs> think about, study, have conversations with what the Bible really says, and find environments that you can do that. And then fourthly, having six or more meaningful conversations with non-Christians per year. Six or more, what's that? That means like one every other month, I believe. Six times a year, you would have a conversation with someone about Jesus. You say, well, what does that have to do with me? It has everything to do with us. Because not only are we starting to be concerned about our own walk, but now we're thinking about other people we know who are lost. And we're being intentional about having conversations with them. And every time that we do any of these things, any of these catalysts, it's going to move us on our walk and our relationship with God. And then the, the fifth thing that we do is tithing. You know, we talked about giving through this, and you wonder, what has giving had to do with the process? Well, every time we give, and as we increase our giving, it becomes more a step of faith. Because to be honest, there is a stewardship gap in, in many of our lives that we haven't grown to the place of really trusting God with everything. It's easy to trust God, you know, with our faith and with our, you know, the, the intangibles, but when we start thinking about true sacrifice and putting everything on the line, it gets a little more intense for us. And so when we decide to take that step, that propels us in faith and it moves us along on our journey. Guys, I think this has been, this has been really fascinating to me because while I've always noted that people move at different levels, I don't know that I ever truly understand how to measure that or how to take intentional steps that will move us along on our walk. And I hope it's helped you because we don't want anybody to be left behind. We want everyone to grow and meet the potential that God has for your life. You know, it's going to be wonderful when we get to heaven as Christians and God welcomes us in. But it's going to be even greater when God looks at us and says, I am so pleased with you. I am pleased because not only did you obey me, but more importantly, you absorbed and you accepted all the potential I gave you. I gave you opportunities. I gave you people in your life. I blessed you. And you, in turn, took advantage of all those things. And you were a very faithful servant. That's a reward that God says, I want to give to you. And I'll tell you, the more you grow and mature in your faith, the more joy and fulfillment you will find in life here. The most joyful people are those who are Christ-centered. And we're going to talk about that next week. But I just want to encourage you to reach for all that God has for your life. Because God is calling for you and I, every one of us, not just to come and see. But after we've come and seen, God is calling for us to now come and follow him. Come and follow him to take on his mission and his character for our own lives. And he calls for us to give up ourselves to him in order to truly find ourselves in Christ. That's the call that God makes on our life. I want to wrap up this morning, again, by just emphasizing uh, these, um, uh, the spiritual growth plan that we handed out a couple weeks ago. Uh, we got one more week in this, and I know that some of you are putting it off. Obviously, you haven't all turned them in. But we, we'd love to have you do that. There's some at the back that we want you to have. If you do not have one of these, there are cards. There are two of them that address six areas of your life. They address uh, worship, commi a commitment to attendance of worship, to journey groups, to sp uh, spiritual growth of prayer and Bible study daily, to evangelism, service, and then generosity. And so uh, what we're asking you to do, if you haven't been here, uh, is to kind of write down a spiritual growth plan. Be intentional about what you think God is calling you to do. 
There's six areas. Maybe you're not ready to commit to all six, but if you would commit to one that you're not currently doing, it will help you on your journey toward Christ. And we, uh, when you pick up one of these little brochures, there's two cards. We're asking you to take one and leave one uh, and, and, you know, so that we'll know what's going on in your world, the commitment that you're making. All right, then turn that in. You can do it in the offering if you want to do so. Well, let's pray together as we, uh, as we go to God and as we close out. Dear Lord, God, thank you so much for loving us. God, thank you that we have the, the privilege to be a part of your family. God, thank you that we can, can um, have the opportunity in our great nation to explore who Jesus is publicly and openly. God, thank you that we have the, the opportunity to accept him as our Lord and Savior. And God, then that we begin growing in Christ and that we also can become close to you, that our journey is continuous and progressive. And God, thank you that, that we can become uh, centered on Christ and, and one day, when we graduate, when we die, we're going to be with you forever. God, we're so grateful for that. We love you. We worship you. But God, we give you all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.